everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Ruby for All. Julie, what's up? Chat GPT is down and I'm very upset because I was going to ask it some questions and I can't use it. <laughs> oh, really? I wonder if it's down it, for me. I have a paid I was going to say, is it down for you? I paid for it this month because I wanted to try out Chat GPT 4 yes. and how it compares to the legacy but it's not working and I'm a little upset and frazzled about this. It's not working for me either. Oh no. (laughs) So now I have to write all my own code today. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So you're struggling with chat GBT. What else is up? Oh, we made pancakes for breakfast, bread for lunch and pretzels for dinner. It was a great day yesterday. Nice. I love pancakes. I can cook breakfast food better than anything. I love pancakes. You can have breakfast all day. I could. Sure. Should. I like the difference of like, this is breakfast food. And there's like certain things I like to eat for breakfast. And like, this is lunch food. I've been rustling with Turbo all morning. I made a little soup two weeks ago. And last week I was on support. And this week I'm coming back to my disaster. And I'm like, what was I doing here? What was I doing here? But it doesn't matter because today we have a special guest who I'm going to welcome Celso de Sa, right? I got that? Yeah, that's correct. Welcome to Ruby for All. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you want to give a little introduction, tell people who you are? So I've been hired to be a developer for Postpilot. That's an amazing company. And then it's so amazing that when they ask on ones or two on ones we have, I don't know what to say because I think they are doing amazing marketing, amazing on how they manage the projects. Also, the Rails project, the Rails code is like so pristine. I'm being feeling honored to work on it. That's good. That's rare. Do yeah. you know how old the app is? I suspect that might be somewhere between like eight years or younger. For an eight-year-old app, if the code still looks good, that's a testament to that team. That's yeah. rare. Usually an eight-year-old app is a walking disaster from what I've seen. Or something mm-hmm. like that. Oh, God, I'm having nightmares. Okay. Ooh, okay. I'm good. Some PTSD there. Just a little bit. It's like the cat meme with like the Vietnam flashback. That's what I'm having right now. Ugh, I've been in some bad areas anyway. That's cool. Yeah. And until last year, there were only one guy working it. That's one of the founders. And he is now the main architect. And he's all for like, we use shape up because of him. That's like the methodology at Basecamp and also Hotwire. He's all for everything to be like updated. We are working on Rails 7 plus and also Ruby too. So we have access of all this tech and the most exciting technologies that are there that we can get working. That's awesome. Can you share what do you mainly work in at work? What tech are you dabbling into Hotwire as well? Are you mainly sticking to Rails right now? Yeah, a bit of everything. So I'm doing like every small task is that there is to do. And this morning I was working and some refactoring on that page, something, something slash new. And then I have to make some flash message to appear, but I have to make it appear on the same page. And then Turbo, it's made for things not to reload <laughs> everything. So that's pretty much going on there. So Andrew was like giving me tips on how I can make the same page to reload to display this message. Yeah. Good old Turbo. 
I had just left like a turbo stream when you were talking about that. So I was like, oh, I actually do know how to solve this. Nice. Let's talk about getting your first role. Tell us about the process. Tell us maybe what you were doing before. Did you do a boot camp? What was your path to this role? And then kind of talk to us about interviewing and the things you enjoyed about that. So this is actually being my second role, my first role in a foreign company. Actually, I never been to a bootcamp. I kind of went on Google and Googled how to program like 10 years ago. And it was a kind of personal challenge. And I kind of started to do some real basic Ruby things. Then the next step would be like really Rails. It was like natural thing. And that time I was working as a teacher, an English teacher, SL, Brazil teacher. And then I began to learn about marketing, copywriting, and I started to build some affiliate marketing websites with Rails. And because of the pandemic, many junior roles, they came about, right? So in 2021, I started to apply to roles. And actually, one of them I saw that was a marketing company and it was awesome. So, but because I was so tired of doing those take home challenges, I just told them, you are awesome. Like people want me to work with them, but I don't want to do your challenge. But were you willing to hire me anyway? So they did agree, actually. So I started this company called Leadster and it's a chatbot company. Then they are like, trying to go international now. And I was working there as junior for this last year. Nice. So what was the process like of transferring to this new company? Yeah, actually, we have like something shaking the market last year. And I was shaken off on this process. I think also the ADHD got it in a way a little bit. But what did happen? That the thing is that I started to make like a list of companies that I would like to work. And also many companies were like hiring too. And I tried to apply to as many roles as I could. And actually there is a story that's kind of interesting that I was going to get hired after one week after I got out the last company. But then something was really weird. The person that was talking to me, he presented himself as the owner, but the, he sent me like a challenge. I did the challenge and then he sent me the contract and I didn't see his name on this contract. So something was like kind of off. And I went on the internet, started to look out of this guy. I saw that he was involved in about six companies and two of them was kind of tagged by the Brazilian IRS. A little fishy. Yeah. So the guy was very persuasive, like he was very persuasive. And I went to look who he was specifically. And I tried found out he was like a politician from another state here in Brazil. <laughs> and he was involved he, in his companies in about, uh, I'm not kidding here, it was over 160 judicial processes. Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> And then there was Glassdoor that they have like bad reviews too. And right. so I declined. Wow. What kind of set off your, like your smell detector there? Or like what kind of made you think like, it was it just the fact his name wasn't on the contract and that was like, something's not right here? Yeah, there was this Glassdoor thing too. And the contracts, they are kind of forcing me to stay with them for a minimum of 
three years. Yeah, that is and, weird. And I will have to go for like a kind of their own mentorship. And then I would like earn a bill less because of this. So everything was like fishy. Andrew, have you ever been at a place for three years? No, <laughs> three months, not three years. <laughs> no, I think I'm at my longest point with Podia so far with like a year and a month or two. If it's not the longest, it's about to be. So I can't even imagine three years. There was this problem with your Ruby and Rails project. Now it's like really big because they kind of create like system for to managing the cities, the Mr. Chip city thing. It was like very big, but it was like Rails 3. Hell <laughs> no. No, no, I'm out. That's an immediate out. If it's Rails 4, I'm out. Yeah. It wasn't even like legacy hell. It was like legacy extra hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're descending into the depths of hell with that one. No, no way. That would be miserable. Especially yeah. if you're still learning and getting better at Rails. No way. Everything was different back then. Hey there, I'm Andrew Mason, and I've got an amazing gem to tell you about, Avo. It helps you build content management systems and internal tools with Ruby on Rails incredibly fast. You don't need to deal with any CSS or JavaScript files as Avo takes care of all the UI work for you, resulting in a modern, mobile-first CRUD interface ready to deploy. Plus, it provides access to features almost every application needs, like actions, filters, search, sorting, active storage integration, dashboards, and much more. So if you're looking for an ultra-powerful and maintainable platform to build your next product or service, look no further. Avo harnesses the power of Rails, Hotwire, Tailwind CSS, Vue components to provide you with a fast and easy-use stack the Rails way. Don't wait any longer. Visit avohq.io and give Avo a try today. You won't regret it. Well, sounds like you dodged a bullet. Yeah, I dodged this one. I had to like have some kind of faith, right? But I was sure that eventually I had something working. I had some cash with me and then start to apply to jobs. And another thing that could be useful that happened is, I think it kind of goes back to my experience on marketing copywriting, is that one morning someone called me to talk about what I have done. It was early in the morning and my mind kind of works faster in the morning. It's I'm kind of capacitor. There are people that are like battery, right? That they are stable, uh, their energy, mental energy through the day. I'm a capacitor and like do this. <laughs> Same and now. And then what's happening at Shaska about what I have previously done on this last company. And I started to talk about a project that I had done with fine detail, giving names to everything and going on every like method I've done and every detail. And when I got scheduled for the next step, it immediately the girl called me back like in a half hour. So this clicked at me, something told me, yeah, I think for every role that I have the opportunity to tell in detail what I have worked on, I think this will be helpful. So it was actually, it helped it, it helped quite a lot. And when I had done that, more companies started to like pushing me to the next step. Why do you think that is? What about explaining your work do you think adds to you as a candidate? I'm going to be a little philosophical here, right? So talking about humans and the society we work, what we can deliver is kind of our product. So if they notice that I can actually do things that even 
if I'm a beginner, that kind of seem hardish, or if I can describe those things in detail, might give the impression that I'm a good product with a good mind working and that I can manage some hardish problems. And I think this kind of give the impression I can work faster and might be the reason that I got to the next steps on many of these selection processes. Yeah. I think the other thing is like, it shows initiative. There are a lot of people who have like example projects of Rails apps on their GitHub, but if you ask them to like truly explain it, like they've just followed a tutorial, but you are demonstrating intimate knowledge of a system that you've helped architect and create and developed on. So it definitely would show something to me if I was interviewing you like, oh, this person actually knows the code that they wrote versus they just wrote the code from a tutorial or something. Yes, it's kind of the show and tell principle in the copywriting, right? So I could tell, no, I'm good. I can solve problems. This doesn't work, right? I think the person has to arrive to this conclusion by herself based on the situation that I present her. I agree. What were some like challenges while you were interviewing? I think that some of the challenges is that my HHG makes me talk more than I should. And sometimes it makes me speak less than I should. So I think that this is kind of the problem. And this and adding to the fact of being interviewed in a different time of the day that my mind, it, it isn't white lurking properly. I was going to ask, basically, have there been companies that have been more accommodating to your ADHD and like, do they vocalize what accommodations might you need? For example, when I was applying to Codecademy, they asked me if there were any accommodations that I needed. But at that time, one, I didn't have a diagnosis, so I didn't even know I had a problem. And two, it's like, oh, I don't know what kind of accommodations I could even request for. So I didn't ask for any. But now that I know, like for next time, I may ask for certain accommodations. One of the ones that would have been really helpful is requesting one-on-one only and not like one in multiple people interviewing me. So I was just curious if in your process of interviewing, if there were companies that were more catered to neurodivergence. Yeah, kind of middle of this thing are searching for a new role, kind of removed the AGG part of the process. There's a reason for it. The reason is that I learned how to manage my time better. Actually, I can with a process. So I kind of started to think that HGHD won't be like a agents as it was previously, right? So I didn't even mention it. I didn't know if it was right or not, but until this moment, it's not been a hindrance at all. Nice. What's that system that you have for time management? So it's very simple. I started to think about the first principles of ADHD, right? I needed to manage my stress and that stress triggers procrastination and also stress trigger how to begin in a task. And I think it was toward the main problems that I had in all my life long. So how did I do it? I do it very simple. It's simple. I take the tasks I have to do. I give it like acronyms. For example, now I'm working on the test called default and minimum funds amounts changes. I just call it FC. So if I had to work it on it again and again, like small steps, I just put FC and I can go back to like 
where I wrote the whole thing. And what this does, it takes out the barrier, right? The stress right. of having to write it all again. So I right. see. And then what I do, I start my day by planning. So I put that P and I put the time I began and the time that I finished planning. Then I go to like FC, the time I began FC and the time that I have to do something like go to the bathroom. So I maintain everything, the time visually, so I can grab the time because this is another thing that we have problem, right? We lost like time perception. I can perceive time. And then I do everything I can to manage this stress. So this stress with time, this stress with the name of the task, this stress I could have with starting, for example, how I go about that. I try to make it like a discovery game that I have to go through the system and discover the pieces I have to put together so I can start working on something. And so something that would be stressful, actually it became something exciting. And if I have this exciting from the beginning, so straight going through a straight line and it is being easier and it, it has been working very well. That's that is amazing for me. Personally, that is the reason why I cannot tackle any of my tasks because the first task is something I don't know how to get to. And I don't plan on being a like, okay, let's turn it into a game and find all the pieces to get to do that first task. I think that's actually pretty insightful. Yeah, that's something that it's not that I discovered it all, right? It was like through researching Marla Cummings, it's a website. She's like a ADHD coach. And there is also Dr. Huberman. I have listened to some of his podcasts. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty good. It's interesting because I'm reading a book right now called Building a Second Brain. And part of that process that you just described is like something that they talk about where it's like at the start of a project, the first step is like you have to go find all your resources. But if you're constantly saving resources from past projects, then you can start to build up this basically brain of like, okay, I've already worked on this type of project. Let me go grab all those resources and put them into this new project folder. And then I have all this stuff and I just start building up this folder of resources. And so whenever I need it, it's just right there. Your take on it is very interesting though. I might have to try some of that. Base can be shape up. It helps a lot too, I think. Right. I don't know if you have ever had some experience with how Basecamp works. I use Basecamp. I'm not a fan, but I use it at work. We also really? do a kind of a form of shape up, I guess. Yeah, mm. but it's not Basecamp. It's editing experience in Basecamp that bothers me. All right. Not All right. necessarily do, like the software organization. Is there any context to provide for folks who do not use Basecamp or know what shape up is? Shape up is product management methodology. I'm going to call it that. It's a system that Basecamp introduced on how they build software. We can put a link to the show notes on it. It's probably too in-depth to go into right now. The thing I find helpful about the ShapeUp methodology, we are not using it to the full potential, right? But is that the tasks, it arrives to us and you can see more clearly what you have to do or what it has to become. And I think that seeing this is very helpful for us because one other thing that causes stress and can lead to procrastination is not seeing clearly how it all will end up. So we have like the stress of beginning and the stress of finishing. 
And so the thing is that I learned to manage the stress of beginning and they provide the stress of finishing. It solves the both ends and it's kind of make it easy to go through it. The number one reason startups fail is that they run out of money. There are so many ways for startups to lose money. Downtime should not be one. Recent studies found that downtime can cost $427 per minute for small businesses and up to $9,000 per minute for medium-sized businesses. That's every single minute. A monthly subscription with HoneyBadger helps you prevent costly downtime by giving you all the monitoring you need in one easy-to-use platform so you can quickly understand what's going on and how to fix it, which helps you stay in business. Get started today in as little as five minutes at HoneyBadger.io with plans starting at free. Yeah, you heard me, free. A big thank you to Honey Badger for sponsoring this episode of Ruby for All. What helps with the stress of ending? Because I was just talking to a friend and colleague of mine about how I struggle so hard with completing tasks. I didn't realize this, but at work, my name is on four tickets right now. And I'm just working on all four of them at the same time because there's this hurdle for me to get the last five or 10% through the finish line. And for whatever reason, I pick up a new ticket before I can like actually get one to complete. So the thing about finishing, I think it goes back that humans, they are usually afraid of what they don't know, right? It's the same about the beginning and the end. We can go more philosophical, religious, like people afraid of death, for example, because they don't know what are waiting for them, right? So I think this is church, right? We don't know what we look like, so we can't picture. And I think that usually we are all more visual ADHD people, right? Many of us are artists, for example. Notice that everything that's more concrete, I can make concrete on my mind. It's easier to navigate and to remember, for example. So if I can see the ending, it's harder to reach it. The other thing with that, I will add on because I've done research in this because I have that problem as well. The ending of a project is boring. (laughs) The last 10% of a project is boring details, adding tests, refactoring stuff. Cleaning up is freaking boring as evidenced by my house right now. It's like almost like the maintenance of daily life is boring and uninteresting and things that we struggle with. But the beginning is like exciting and there's like stuff to do and you've got path. And then right there at the 90% mark, you're like, well, now I'm bored and now I can't see the ending as clearly as I thought I could. And I'm like, nah, I'm kind of done with this. That makes sense. You're less solving problems and you're just doing housekeeping. (laughs) Yep. Which is boring. (laughs) (laughs) I'm curious if you have any advice for people who are interviewing right now. You've given some like just in through your story, but I'm curious if you have any like specific concrete advice. There is a piece of advice that I hate. And I think that if people begin to hate it more and realize they hate it too, it's going to be helpful. And this is people usually say, be yourself. That's completely bullshit. Not that we don't want to be true to ourselves. We want to, but we have to strive to be better. We have to strive to improve the way we work, the way we think, the way we live. So when some process or selective process, the person fails or you fail or failed right now, try to not be too emotional about this thing. Try to think in a more cold way, what you should do that you could improve in your process, change this thing. And I think you do better. And usually is the way we communicate. 
usual is this, how am I communicating? How I'm showing that I'm a good developer, that I have some knowledge. And then we go back to like some kind of personal marketing you can do, or many people are doing on Twitter or on LinkedIn. And also do connections. Look for some mentors that can help where you think you're failing. And failing is part of the process. I've applied for over 30 companies. I have this yes that was like being hunted down by the Brazilian FBI. And then I have this one that I'm loving to work on that's post-pilot. So I think that the thing is persisting. If you persist and refactor your process, who you are, you'll be a better person. You're going to be perceived as competent. And so enough, you're going to have like the job you want in. That sounds like something Julie and I have talked about quite a bit of like, you have to like show up like every day and put the work in and just grind. The people who are working hard are easy to spot, I feel like. And it's also easy to spot people who are not. So yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I definitely agree with the personal marketing as well. I would not be where I am without that, without Twitter, honestly. So it's a big part of it. And networking or connecting with people, just like you said, just as important. Not everyone's going to want to be your mentor, but the more people you know, the more people you make friends with, we help out our friends. If Julie's looking for a job and I happen to know of a company hiring, of course, I'm going to let them know, right? But like some random person who's DM me on Twitter be like, hey, I'm looking for a job. I'm not maybe going to remember them if that's our only interaction. So yeah, make friends, show up, comment on what people are working on, let them know you're interested. It's all part of it. That yeah. means so much to me, Andrew. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Delso, oh. did you ever find, I think you had tweeted about if you find enough mentors, you can just bother one per day of the month. Did you ever yeah. find that many mentors? <laughs> I have many mentors at my company. And also I got in contact or I can network with many people on Twitter that they were willing to help. So actually I got in many calls with many of them and many, they feel happy to help. And that's incredible. Many people, they are, they are really happy in sharing the knowledge. And this kind of a way we can see there is still good in the world because they are doing this for free. So yeah, I have tweeted about it. We have like 20 days of work. If you can contact or make friends with 22 senior developers, we can like bother just one. And we can schedule. I'm going to bother you on the first Monday of the month. <laughs> can I? <laughs> That's funny. You're right, though. A lot of people are willing to help. I've had people reach out to me <laughs> just because I was up like at three in the morning and be like, dude, I'm stuck. I can't figure this out. I need some help. If you're willing, would you just look at this thing with me? And I'm like, yeah, dude, send a link. So there are a lot of people who are willing to help. You just got to find them because not everyone is. Certainly not. Yeah, I like that advice. Do you have anything else you kind of want to instill on our listeners before we kind of wrap this up? I'm going to write up an article that is going to summarize many of the things that I think it's helpful for anyone looking for a job or going through selective processes. And it might come this week, as I told Julie two weeks ago that it was going to come out. <laughs> but I probably have some time to work on it this week. And if it in there's people that are like, don't understand something I said, want for me to go deeper on some aspect of my experience. 
I can refactor this article too, so it becomes more helpful for those folks. And where can people find you? Yeah, people can find me on Twitter. So people can follow me or even they can send me direct messages and I'll be happy to reply then. Sweet. Awesome. And again, congratulations on your job at Postpilot. Thank you. And thank you for inviting me to share this experience and it's been awesome. Absolutely. Yes. You're thank you for joining us. Back. Thank you. <laughs> well, cool. Celso, great to talk to you. Great to meet you. I think that's it for us this week. So Julie, I will catch you next week and everyone else. Bye. Bye everyone. Bye-bye.